You know, the way you speak to yourself, the way you perceive yourself, this is all a part of like self-care. And until like that was sort of the practice of that and, and really embracing that and starting to take care of myself from this like 360 degree approach is when I started to feel more comfortable in my own skin. Like my mom telling me being healthy isn't just exercising, like the way you speak to yourself inside your head is also an element of wellness. Um, that was, I think, really the turning point where I was like, okay, you know what, just because you know, whatever the perception is in society, or just because I don't see someone that necessarily looks like myself in a magazine or on TV, that doesn't mean I'm not beautiful or that I can't feel confident in like the skin that I'm in. Welcome back to the What I Would Podcast. I'm joined by Ro. Ro is a 29 year old founder of The Wild Skincare, a clean, genderless, step simplified skincare that launched earlier this year. In just three months, the Wilds achieved some exciting milestones, including a social media campaign that reached over 5 million Instagram users, upcoming features, and Goop, Forbes, Pop Sugar, to name a few, and then most notably being a finalist in the Pure Beauty Global Awards for Best New Clean Skincare. Um, it's That's so exciting, and it aims to cultivate a community that fosters unapologetic confidence, self-acceptance, and the permission to be happily wild. I love the mission that Roe is building. Um, if you're listening that you know that I love skincare and obviously I've struggled with my own journey of skincare with acne and everything to do with hormone imbalances. So I'm so excited to get into this with you and I love supporting female entrepreneurs. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. So um, I want to get into kind of your childhood and upbringing before we get into the wild. So I saw your, or I watched your kind of intro video of the wilds and you talked about that your family's from the Middle East. So I'd love to hear more about your background and what was it like living in that kind of culture? Like I'm half Chinese, so I kind of had that culture and half French, but I'd love to hear what your upbringing was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's funny, like this conversation around upbringing, I really had not thought much about until I started building the wilds. And the reason for that being, you know, in, in conceptualizing the brand, I thought a lot about you know, how I want people to feel when they interact with the wilds and um, what are our core pillars and why are those things so important? And so all of that to say, I did a lot of this sort of inward reflection Um, and, you know, growing up first generation Canadian, my, my family immigrated here in the late eighties to Canada. And for the most part, I would say till I was about 10 or 11 years old, like I was always aware of the fact that I was another, like I I knew that I, you know, I grew up in a predominantly Caucasian community. Like I understood that I was an other, but I didn't think that much about it. Um, And then when I was about 10 or 11 years old is when 9-11 happened. And, you know, it was at that moment, obviously that the sort of villainizing of Middle Easterns sort of started to happen in, um, in North America. And it was kind of in that moment that I started to become like hyper aware of the fact that my family were, my family was like Middle Eastern immigrants. And I, you know, so that was a very um, sort of, that's a a moment in time in my upbringing that I can really pinpoint that I think was like super influential in who I am today. And, and, and again, what the wilds ended up being. Um, But, and, you know, I joke about it now, but like, at that time, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like the world does not love Muslims, does not love Middle Eastern people. I'm like so aware of this. 
And I joke about it now, but like, even the way that I speak, like I speak, like I'm a 50 year old white woman and like, there's nothing (laughs) wrong with that, but that's just like, Mm -hmm. not what I am. But that was like completely by design. Like I didn't want anyone to detect an accent on me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then like I'm middle Eastern, I have really dark coarse hair, you know, like the Mm -hmm. hairs on my arms are obviously a lot Mm -hmm. darker. And so I literally like I'm lasered from my eyeballs down because I didn't want, you know, to, I didn't Mm -hmm. want to fulfill any stereotypes. So, you know, all of that to say, I think my upbringing was more influential and impactful to who I am today than I really even realized. And I I didn't come to a lot of those realizations until I started developing the wilds and thinking about, okay, so I want to be an inclusive brand. Well, why, like, why is that so important? So, um, yeah, a lot of inward reflection on my upbringing, especially recently. Okay. Amazing. And when do you think was that moment that you kind of started to more like accept your cultural and upbringing where you wanted to be, you know what? I like being different. I like, you know, embracing my culture. Totally. Um, it's a really cheesy answer, but my mom like was very, very wellness focused growing up. And so like our household was always really focused on like eating well and exercising and meditating and positive self-talk. Like that was sort of the definition of wellness in my home. And, you know, my mom really worked on me, um, and, and, you know, really helped me understand, like, you know, the way you speak to yourself, the way you perceive yourself, this is all a part of like self-care and until, like that was sort of the practice of that and, and really embracing that and starting to take care of myself from this like 360 degree approach is when I started to feel more comfortable in my own skin. Like my mom telling me being healthy, isn't just exercising. Like the way you speak to yourself inside your head is also an element of wellness. Um, that was, I think really the turning point where I was like, okay, you know what, just because you know, whatever the perception is in society, or just because I don't see someone that necessarily looks like myself in a magazine or on TV, that doesn't mean I'm not beautiful or that I can't feel confident in like the skin that I'm in. Yeah. Amazing. So when you were growing up, what did you kind of envision yourself doing? Like in high school, did you go to university and how has your like family kind of developed or encouraged that growth? Yeah. I mean, growing up, I really wanted to be on much music, which I don't know is like, if it's even on air anymore, but I like really (laughs) wanted to be a TV personality. Um, that's what I thought I was going to do. I went to school for communications and I thought that would eventually pivot into journalism. Um, and then that never ended up happening while I was in school. I, um, was working at cactus, you know, just trying to make some cash. And, uh, and then I also started working at Aritzia and I did like a brief stint in stores and then started learning more about the company. And eventually, um, while I was still in school, started dabbling with, um, a bit of HR stuff. And so I ended up working under Intel and acquisition, which is kind of under the umbrella of HR. Um, and so that's, it's kind of just on its own sort of took its own course and, um, it all really felt natural and it had this like natural momentum. So I, I didn't stop anything, even though I was thinking about, the journalism stuff that the stuff with Aritzia and HR just sort of took its own course. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to ride this out and see what happens. And, um, and so I just ended up doing that and I did that for about five years. Okay, cool. And what about these like entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial, like kind of spirit in you? Do you think you had that? Do you think you were kind of born like more of a leader of a follower? Cause for me, I think when I was younger, I was definitely more of a follower 
I would kind of, I had an older sister, so I'd kind of hide behind her. I was like a little bit more shy until I kind of grew more into my personality where now I really like leading. So I'm curious to know for you, did that start off like that or were you more kind of like a follower? For sure. Um, I am a Leo through and through, and I don't know Mm -hmm. if you know much about astrology, but I'm like really loud. I like have to place myself in the center of a room always. (laughs) I also grew up an only child most of my life. So I am like through and through, like I need to be at the forefront of everything. (laughs) And like, it's a super annoying quality probably. Um, but yeah, no, I think I always felt, um, I felt very, I don't even know what the word is. I I felt empowered in that respect. I think, um, most of my life and I always had this entrepreneurial bug, like even in going to school and eventually working at Aritzia, even though I was pursuing these highly corporate environments in the back of my mind, I did always want to do something on my own. And again, my parents being immigrants, like they came here with nothing. They started businesses from nothing. And, um, both went on to be successful in their own rights. But so, yeah, like I was always kind of surrounded by that. I, I always had that sort of in the background for sure. Okay. So that's, that's awesome. So how did you kind of launch the wilds? When did the idea come about? Maybe if it helps to talk about your journey with kind of like skincare, maybe that'll help. Yeah. 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 So, um, at Aritzia, I, there came a time and I, I, you know, you call it the, well, now what moment. And, and Mm -hmm. to me, really what that is in practice is kind of like that fork in the road. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, that time came for me and, you know, I, I, I wasn't happy anymore doing what I was doing. I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I wanted to do next, but I just knew the thing I was doing was not fulfilling me. So it was like time to make a change. And so I quit. I hadn't really figured out the the next step, but I did a couple things to keep my hands busy during that time. And then, and then the pandemic happened. So this is early 2020. And, you know, my mom always says to me, um, and it's like my favorite thing, piece of advice she's ever given me. Um, and it's to follow your fear compass. And Mm -hmm. the idea of this is that Oftentimes the things in life that scare us, like the city you want to move to, the job you want to take, the person you want to date, like the things that kind of make you feel like you're taking a risk are oftentimes the things you should be running towards. And so she always says, follow your fear compass, right? Like have the fear, but do it anyway. And I remember early pandemic, I'm like at home, I'm not working at the time and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do now? And it was just kind of like that moment where it's like, okay, what is there to lose? I'm at home. I have all this time. So I had decided that I was going to do, um, two things. So really passionate about wellness that had been like stewing and building kind of my whole life. Um, the skincare thing, you know, I have had like a really long and experimental journey with skincare. I think similarly to you as a woman who has hormones and like your body's experiencing all these things, especially in your early twenties, like that's happening. And then you're probably becoming a bit of a consumer. You want to like buy all the cool new things at Sephora or wherever you shop and all of that comes together. And like, I had a moment where my skin like exploded, basically it was like so unhappy with me. Um, and so I started doing a ton of research and speaking to derms and all these experts. And, um, the, the research always pointed back to less is more. And so when I started to put that in practice, I peeled back my skincare routine. I just started using the essentials. Um, my skin was just 
so, so happy with me. And so this is all happening at the same time. Right. So I'm like really learning about skincare. I'm becoming really passionate about it. Um, it's the start of the pandemic. I have all this free time on my hands and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Like what, like, what is there to lose at this point? So mm-hmm. I did two things. So for one, I started a blog at the time called grateful company. And, um, it was, the focus was, um, like plant-based nutrition and clean and non-toxic skincare and beauty and holistic healing practices. And I was building that community, um, and connecting and engaging with people on social and just, again, building that sort of platform out. And then in the background was working on the wilds. And so, um, it, it, building that business obviously was not something that was going to happen overnight. I had to source suppliers and make sure I was working with really amazing chemists who were going to formulate my products. And so I knew that was going to take a long time. So I did the blog. I was engaging with people who had an interest in this space and, um, and just kind of worked on that and focused on that until the wilds was ready to really be something that I could like talk to people about. Okay. Wow. That's quite a journey. So did you have any experience and how did you like figure out, I need to go to this supplier. Like there's a lot of steps when launching, especially like a product business. For sure. So how did you know what to do? Did you have any help? What was going on? Yeah. Great question. So I was so fortunate. I have had and have a mentor who, um, knew that I had like a really strong appetite for this industry and I wanted to do something. And so, um, he introduced me to one of the most incredible chemists, very coincidentally based out of uh, BC. Um, he's been formulating in the clean and non-toxic space for just about 30 years. So, um, that introduction was made and it just kind of snowballed from there. Like I knock on wood convinced this chemist to take a chance on me and my concept. And, um, and that was step one. Like once I had that supplier, I was like, okay, you know what? I actually think I can do something here. And so then I started to seek out all the, you know, the packaging suppliers, the bottle suppliers, and I started doing all of that other work, but that was kind of like the, the anchor that I was like, okay, I feel really good about this. I think I can actually make something happen from here. Wow. Okay. So I like that you emphasize with the wells that it's a genderless skincare. Did -hmm. you find that there's a gap in the market for that? Cause I know there's like the stereotypes where men just like wash their face with a bar of soap, which my boyfriend does, so no shame to him. But there's definitely like a wide variety of people, especially who don't identify as either male or female. So why was that really important for you to have that as kind of like the main, you know, selling point there? For sure. You're absolutely right. There is a gap in the market. I've always thought it's like so hilarious that skincare is targeted so heavily towards women because Mm -hmm. skin is skin, you know, like skincare is for everybody. And I get this question all the time. Like what ingredients did you use for it to be genderless? It's like, like secret. Like I didn't do anything different. Skin is skin, you know? So, um, that was the first thing I, I, and also just like in terms of branding that I'm as a consumer really drawn to. I love, um, sorry. I love that, uh, you know, branding is going towards this, this more like androgynous genderless sort of area. And I, I really, um, love that personally. So I wanted to make sure that my brand was the same. Um, and then again, going back to my childhood, I think genderless falls under the umbrella of like inclusivity. And I wanted, Um, I wanted the wilds to feel like a space where anyone and everyone was welcome. And, um, and you have, like you said at the beginning in the intro, like you have the permission to be happily wild, like in your 
true natural form. Like I want you to celebrate that and feel really good about that. Mm-hmm. Cause I think now with one those big brands like Neutrogena or Sephora that sell this like skincare products, it's kind of overwhelming. I feel like there's a lot, like you need to do. I remember when I first got into skincare, what was that brand called for? It was like specifically for acne. It was like a bunch of steps. Oh, proactive, proactive. That's it. That's it. I remember I was a teenager and had like, maybe like three pimples come up and my mom was like, Oh, use proactive. Cause that was the solution at the time. And it like kind of ruined and dried out my skin now that I know that, but it's funny, like there's, it gets overwhelming with skincare. I find that there's like, they say there's all these crazy steps that you need to do, or you need to use these really harsh chemicals. And I've kind of used it all. Like when I struggled with really bad acne, I even went on birth control, um, those prescription uh, like medications that really dry out your skin, that was terrible. So it's nice to see like a skincare where it's like, you know, you can kind of just, you know, as you said, like I love the mission and the marketing where it feels more like a lifestyle rather than product, the way that you've like presented it. It's really awesome. So how did you design like each product with keeping in mind that there's a lot of competitors and there's a lot of, you know, skincare brands out there? For sure. No, it's, and that's like, that's, Exactly it. Like the skincare industry is so overwhelming. There's a hundred different skincare philosophies. Like, how do you know as a consumer, like which way of those 100 paths to go? It's like crazy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going back to my skincare journey, like doing all that research and learning, okay, less really is more. And I, Mm -hmm. the proof was in the pudding. I did exactly that. And my skin was clearing up and it just, And so, um, you know, when I was building the wilds, the step simplified concept to me was super key because I wanted to, and especially this being genderless, I think, um, female consumers typically are a little more savvy with skincare. And so no matter who was using the product, um, regardless of gender, of course, um, and regardless of your skin literacy, whether you're like a beginner, intermediate, advanced, I wanted you to be able to jump into the wilds and it be super straightforward and really unfussy and uncomplicated. And so that's why we only have four products. Um, and the idea is that we have formulated in such a way that you will get all of your foundational skincare ingredients necessary to achieve healthy and balanced skin, but in just four products. So two things in the morning, two things at night, you know, there's a bunch of other really incredible skincare ingredients that you can use on top of that call it like the retinols of the world, but those aren't going to be the things you use every single day. So the wilds is going to be like your core for every single morning, every single night, you will use these things and, uh, you won't be, there won't be any gaps in like the things you need on a daily basis. Right. Right. And what do you think are kind of the elements that helped you have a successful launch? Was it the marketing? Was it the, you know, community, um, like there's within marketing, there's like influencer marketing. Did you get into that? Do you want to kind of give the lowdown of what helped your kind of successful launch? Totally. Um, I would say all of the things you just said. So for one, um, an influencer, uh, launch program was super, super helpful. Obviously. Um, again, like you mentioned before, we reached over 5 million Instagram users and, um, that was just an incredible achievement to have just right off the bat, um, tons of exposure. And, um, that was a huge, um, really successful lever that we pulled. Um, okay. This next answer I'm going to give you I really believe it to my core. And some people might be like, oh, that's such a fluffy answer. But like, I really, truly believe it was so um, impactful to the success of my launch. 
anyone and everyone who like I would speak to, I would tell them about the wilds. And I like literally like a woman passing on the street, like dog on the side of the road. Like I am telling you about the wilds and I'm like, not to be annoying, but like, I'm going to pull up my Instagram. I'm going to show you what I'm building because mm-hmm. you just have to, like, you have to get the word out there. And I really feel like the result of that showed in the launch. Like I had people on my personal Instagram account who I speak to maybe once every five years, like I never interact with and they're DMing me and being like, Oh my God. Like, you know, so it was just, I think it's really important to be passionate about what you're doing. Tell everyone, you know, don't like shamelessly promote what you're doing. Like, because there is no shame in that. Like you should be so proud to tell the world about what you're working on. And I think sometimes maybe people worry about, Oh, like, are people going to think I'm annoying or, you know, like, is it embarrassing to be self-promoting so much. And it's like, no, like go for it. You should be so proud to tell the world about what you're working on. So I think that was really, really important. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else we did. We actually didn't spend a ton of money on launch, on launch marketing, um, other than like gifting, which obviously is like out of pocket because it's, um, product we've, you know, created and, uh, gifted, but, no actual spend. So it was huge on the influencer gifting, um, huge on the sort of self-promotion. Um, and then the other thing too, um, and this is like a strategy that is, you know, totally up to a founder's discretion, depending on, you know, how you want to run your business, but, um, a really meaningful launch discount. Um, you know, there's, this one's a tricky one, right? Because you don't want to necessarily be a brand that is like heavily discounted all the time. And, um, you want to create some sort of value and, um, yeah, value around your brand. Um, and so giving a launch discount that was meaningful, that, you know, allowed people, um, to really be able to justify the cost of trying out this product. Like, I think that was also really huge. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're about three months in and we're already seeing repeat customers, which is the telltale sign that you're doing something right. You know, like it's one thing to have a great launch. It's one thing to have people DM you and say, I'm loving it. And it's all great, but to see that people are actually coming back. And so soon after the launch means like they bought it, they tried it, they loved it, they used it quickly and they're coming back for more. So mm-hmm. that's, that's amazing. And I, I want to go back to the point that you talked about, like marketing yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you have any advice for people? Let's say they're wanting to start off a business and they have, you know, like imposter syndrome or they're struggling to kind of talk about it and market themselves. Yeah. Do you have any advice on how you kind of get over that? I mean, the advice and like the strategy to get over that fear, um, I suppose is like, and I get, I can only speak for myself, right. I'm in an industry that's like extremely saturated. Like there are a hundred million skincare brands out there, you know, and for me, like I am every single day on Instagram, like I'm looking at all the other brands who are doing such cool things and, and creating such cool content and they're doing it every single day. You know, it's like, it's so hard not to be like, okay, gosh, like how do I measure up to some of these people around me? Um, but you just like, and again, this might be a fluffy answer, but you just have to back yourself. Like, because if you don't, no one else will, like, I have to believe that what I'm doing is meaningful. I have to believe that my voice means something and that someone wants to listen to my voice, you know, like you just have to believe that because 
if you can't do any of that without any conviction, like no one's going to believe you, no one's going to buy into it if you're not bought into it. So I just think like as best as you can tune out the noise around you, because also any amount of time you spend worrying about what everyone else is doing around you is just time you're stealing from yourself to be working on your business or whatever it is. Right. But you're just taking that time away from yourself. Yeah, that's really well said. And before we get into the rapid fires, I'd love to hear what's kind of your biggest challenge now running the business, being an entrepreneur. Yeah. I think entrepreneurship is really romanticized. Like, and and, like in a lot of ways, it is really wonderful, right? You're working for yourself and you've built something and it's incredible, but you know, the moment you launch, like you really just become a problem solver. Like my literal job all day is just like putting out fires. You know, I've Mm -hmm. built a business based on the assumption that I'm going to do X amount of volume. Okay. So now I'm doing more volume than that. Okay. So have I built my business in a way that can sustain that growth and is it scalable? And, you know, I'm dealing with some logistical issues and, you know, so it's like all of that to say, entrepreneurship is like amazing and it's so fulfilling and it's a ton of fun, but like, you have to be someone who is comfortable in the gray. You have to be someone who is okay to be dealing with issues and little fires everywhere all day long, all the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, are you wanting to get into the rapid fires if that works? Yeah, let's okay, do it. I'm cool. terrified, but let's do it. Okay. <laughs> no, they're, they're easy. Don't worry. Okay. okay. Um, the first one, what is your kind of safe haven spot? So where you can kind of be run wild, where would you say that is? I would say, um, like truly outdoors, like growing up in Vancouver, being around mountains in the ocean, like there is something so, and again, this is so cheesy, but so purifying for your soul to be like out in the world like that. And I find when I am like on the seawall walking my dog and I'm like right by the wall, it's like, there is something so peaceful about that. I like, that's my, yeah. that's my place. I can agree. Um, yeah. what is something embarrassing that you used to do when it comes to skincare? I used to do like the toothpaste, a toothpaste. I don't know if you're like, if that's any good for your skin, probably <laughs> not honestly. And I used to put like little toothpaste on like zits, but I know that's definitely, not I good. have for sure done that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> actually my mom, my mom one time made me put olive oil on my skin. And that was, that was a huge mistake. Um, (laughs) I should have known that was like bad news, but yeah, that's probably like the silliest, dumbest thing I've ever done. Yeah. That's funny. Um, what has been your favorite birthday so far? Ooh, my favorite birthday so far. Um, oh, this is like a, just cause it's one of the most recent, but I had a really, really nice birthday in, uh, 2018. I got to spend it in Greece and it was like a really special, like magical day, just like on a Greek Island, like Ooh, Greek music playing beautiful Greek people around me. Like it was just yes. a moment where I was like, okay, like life is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? I'm really loud. Most people know most things about me. I'm (laughs) really extroverted and loud. I'm trying to think if there's anything I keep under wraps. Um, you know, I think, I think something that some people might not know about me is like, to that point, I am really extroverted. I've always been a people person. Um, but I, I think I care more about what people think about me than I lead on. Like I kind of have this energy about me. That's like, I'm happy to be loud. I'm happy to be like the center of attention a lot of the times, but 
like, I think I care a lot more than maybe I like, yeah, than I would care to like, let people know. Yes. Yes. I can relate yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, if your life was a movie, what genre would it be? And then who would play you? Oh my God. If my life was a movie, it would be like a documentary slash a extended reality TV series. <laughs> I'm just like obsessed with reality TV. And like, I don't know if you watch reality TV. Do you? I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, and like growing up to like a teen, when I was a teenager, like early twenties as well. Like I just like, my dream was to be on a reality TV show. So my answer is like reality or documentary. Um, and who would play me? Gosh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, oh my gosh, I have no idea. Probably. probably You don't have to look like you. It can literally just be the energy that you like. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know. Someone really like loud and annoying. Do you know who's coming to mind right now? And I have no idea why <laughs> Black, Jack Black. Oh yes. He's I awesome. Have, <laughs> but I have no idea why I actually have no idea, but you said it and I thought of him just cause he's like yes. jolly and funny. Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's, that's how I felt. Yeah. Let, let's roll with that. Um, <laughs> speaking of reality TV, what's kind of your favorite TV show? right now. Oh my God. This makes like, this is just, this is probably my best kept secret. Cause it's like so lowbrow and lame of me, but I am so diehard on reality TV. Like I watch yes. anything. Like I will watch anything. Mm-hmm. I love Siesta key. I love the Kardashians. I love mm-hmm. all housewives franchises. I love below yeah. deck. I love summer house. Like, yeah I, yeah, I love MTV reality TV. I love Jersey shore. I love, like, <laughs> I, I will do it all. I will do it all. Oh, amazing. Have you heard? It just came out on Netflix. It's called the ultimatum. Oh my God. Seen it, finished it. Okay. Okay. I'm like, I'm how many episodes am I? I'm like three or four in, but I'm like, how did I never would have could thought this would ever be a show? Like how, no, I don't think I could do it. I could no, never, I could never, I don't understand how I just, I think, I don't even know what happened at the end, but I don't know how that doesn't like destroy a relationship. Like if you go back crazy. to that partner. Oh it gets crazy. You have to finish it. It gets so crazy, but like, I could just never. And I think I'm like a pretty confident, secure person, but like, oh, I yeah. would, I would be killing somebody. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like right in front of you. That's just, it's just like so weird, but like, I kept watching it. I'm like, this is so bad, but and I you need to finish it. it. And I no, do. It was, yeah. It was. You <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Okay. What's on your like playlist right now? Is there like an artist, a band right now that you just really love? I have been, I've been feeling really nostalgic lately. I don't know why. So I've been Mm. listening to a lot of music that I listened to growing up. Like I've been listening to a ton of Mace and Maya, like all these like late nineties, early two thousands R and B artists. So Mm -hmm. a ton of that. Um, and then I'm trying to think what we listened to on the road trip. Cause we had, we put in some hours road tripping across the U S last week. Um, oh, (laughs) Also, I don't know if this is cheesy, but like Casey Musgraves, I'm like yes. loving some Casey right now. So yeah, yeah. yeah. old R&B and, and Casey Musgraves. Okay, good answer. Um, and last question, if you could have one person use the wilds like religiously and promote it on Instagram, who would you want it to be? Okay, this answer I know very well um, because it's a female entrepreneur that I really, really admire, Emma Greed. Yes. She, um, 
is you probably, if you haven't heard of her, she's worked a lot with the Kardashians and like a lot of their endeavors that have turned out to be the most successful are in large due to Emma Greed's like magical touch. Um, yeah, uh, she's worked on skims and good American. And, um, and so she is just someone who is like, so badass to me and, uh, and so smart and just like such an incredible, um, entrepreneur. And so if there's anyone I could have tried the wilds and like, look at the business as a business i, I would mm -hmm. love to have her eyeballs on what i'm doing amazing okay maybe you're manifesting it right now you put it out into the universe hey are you listening universe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well amazing thank you so much ro if you want to kind of just like plug the wilds if there's like one thing that you want people to kind of take away from the brand or like this conversation sure. please share it yeah so if you haven't like met us um yet please do uh, at the wilds.skincare is our handle on instagram um, www.shopthewilds.com is our website um, come take a look um, and please say hi like again i know this is a cheesy thing to say but i genuinely love when people dm us i'm like i run the instagram account so i love when people um say hi i love meeting people in there and um yeah if you haven't checked us out please do we are you know currently a a team of four core products, but um, I, definitely exciting things coming down the pipeline in the future. So, um, yeah, if you haven't if you haven't said hi yet, please do. Amazing! Thank you so much, Ro. I appreciate your time and for just kind of sharing your story. And I can't wait for people to check out the Wilds. Awesome! Thank you so so much for having me. It was so lovely chatting with you. And I know you're in Vancouver, and it's a beautiful yes. day. So I hope you really get to enjoy this day.